You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is Tanya Pinkins on You Can't Say That on the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome back for part two of my conversation with Ife Tayo Harvey of the Drug Policy Alliance and People of Color Psychedelic Collective. <laughs> I uh, did my DNA on Ancestry.com, and you have the choice of leaving it public so that other people who share your DNA can find it. And this um, white woman in Virginia reached out to me and said, you share DNA with my mother and with her first cousin. And um, so clearly this is Mm. probably, which I didn't, but she told me that I could go to the Library of Congress, and there's a whole lawsuit that's written up in the Library of Congress because the slaves that one of her great-grands owned should have been passed down to her children, but her brother somehow figured out a way to get them away, and so there was a lawsuit, and it went to the Library of Congress, and I haven't had time to look that up, but it was Virginia. If I'm related to two sets of ancestors, we're probably talking about um, breeding of Mm. human beings in Virginia where masters were raping slaves and Mm -hmm. then making more slaves after the slave trade, importing slaves Mm -hmm. was banned, and Mm -hmm. so they just started treating humans as if they were cattle and breeding them so that they could make more property right here on the mainland. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, there's there's so many stories out there around that. And it's really interesting that you were able to find your distant cousin. Well, it was interesting <laughs> that she was willing to acknowledge that, mm-hmm. oh, this black woman is an ancestor of mine, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm sure it must have been kind of, like, awkward for you to... No, I thought it was cool. I was like, that she was willing to acknowledge that. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, like mm, I don't want to be acknowledging that part of the trail yeah. over there. But she was like, hey, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I think that there's so many... And when you think about ancestry and genealogy with psychedelics that just adds a whole another layer to it i i'm really interested in hearing about folks who you know have done um that kind of work with with psychedelics like trying to get in touch with ancestors or something like that well i will tell you that on the last journey that i did uh down in peru with aya Hmm. um I, my experience was that I, on like maybe the second journey, I came face to face with a demon, with an evil demon, and it was incarnate. Oh my gosh. It was evil incarnate. It had, it had enough evil energy that it could 
be carnate, you know, like what? it could have form. Oh my God. And, um, I remember, uh, you know, it was like, I was like, Oh no, you're, you gonna have to go through me <laughs> to get to my children. Wow. And you know, then when the journey ended and the next day of my processing it, it was like, well, you know, you can't, you can't do battle for your children. Your children have to do their battles mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. But several journeys later, I actually had the experience of what felt like I released the demon from my line. Mm, and mm-hmm. I could feel the demon trying to, like, it was like a cockroach. Mm. It was trying to strap its um, legs in between mm-hmm. my ribs and hold on to me. And the sounds, it was like, the, it was just bile. Like, you know, because mm. when, when you're doing ceremony, you don't eat oh, right, right, really right. for the day. So there's no, no food in mm-hmm. you. So it's like the bile mm-hmm. and the sounds that were coming out of me. And because I was raised Catholic, the only thing that was coming up in my head is, you know, I cast you out in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I cast you out in the name of Jesus. And I could feel energetically that the, the maestra and other mm-hmm. of the facilitators were doing battle with me. And I felt like we cast it out. And later one of the women from across the room said, I saw a demon come out of you. And oh, my gosh. There's a knot that I had always sort of carried in my solar plexus that has moved down. Wow. You know, whatever was there moved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it sounds kind of crazy when you say those kinds of things, but that is what my experience was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, other people had their own experiences that equally sounded crazy to me till mm-hmm. I had my own experiences. <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess I can't be calling people's experiences crazy because I sound crazy too. Right, right. Yeah, that's so I've, – I've never – journey with Aya, um, but I've I've heard stories like that. One of my friends was in Colombia a few years ago, and she said that she watched her own death. Mm. Like she watched her body disintegrate into mm. bones, into the ground. Mm. And then she was, like, seeing it from, like, a bird's eye view, and then she was like, at some point I felt like this wasn't my death that I was watching. It was someone else's death. Mm. And I was like, whoa, that is... Out of this world. So I wonder, you know, what that demon symbolized for you. I don't know. And it'll just be interesting, I guess, to see what my children, Mm -hmm. you know, I I know that in the time since I've come back, some things in my children's life Mm -hmm. have shifted hugely. Okay. Like their life shifted. And Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that was interesting about the therapists who were journeying with me, they were all talking about how doing their own Aya journeys had shifted things for their clients. Mm -hmm. And so... I don't know, you know, my children who were struggling with some things, Mm -hmm. I come back and some movement has happened Mm -hmm. in their life that Mm -hmm. there doesn't seem to have been anything, you know, you know, so I don't know. Mm -hmm. But uh, I do hope that in the processing that I am, we're all connected and that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, Mm -hmm. any work that any of us does is work that we are doing for all of us. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's definitely something I... I realized through my journeys with mushrooms is when I was um, in Charleston for that trip, I was, um, after I uh, had thrown up and everything, I was still kind of feeling anxious. And I was like, huh, why am I still feeling anxious? I, I'm usually anxious around the nausea part, but after the nausea and I throw up, I'm usually okay. And so I was like, kind of like, why am I feeling anxious? And I realized it was because this memory from my childhood had was just like there and it came to the forefront and I was just like, huh, this is, I always held this memory with me. Can you share it? Uh, no, I'm not okay. comfortable sharing it. Um, but I, I always held this memory with me. I wasn't, I never was able to articulate 
why it stayed with me my whole life. And I remember just feeling really like closed off and anxious. And I told my friend, I was like, can I talk to you about something? And she was like, yeah, of course. Like, this is what this is for. And so I started telling her what was going on. And she she kept saying, you know, we're all connected. We're all connected. And um, after I told her what was going on, I literally felt a weight come off of my body. Mm-hmm. And I felt lighter. And I remember <sighs> when the journey ended and they took me home, I, like, called one of my best friends and told her because I was just so excited because I was like, this thing had stayed with me since I was four years old. And I always, I never understood why. And once it came to me in my journey, it just, every, a lot of other things in my life made sense. Mm. And um, yeah, yeah, I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> but feeling, yeah, feeling connected, feeling connected with people, um, And even during that trip in Charleston, I felt like me and my friend and her boyfriend were all, in a way, communicating telepathically. Kalindi talked about that, that there are entheogens that whole tribes would just use, and they would just communicate telepathically. Yeah, like when we were, we would be like sitting around like this, and I would just look at her boyfriend, and he would just know that I wanted tea. (laughs) 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 He would just get up and and go get it. I'm like, wait, wait, how did you, I didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. So it was like stuff like that where like normally I would verbalize it, but I just like looked at him, and he just knew and so that was that was my first time really feeling like, oh, like maybe there's maybe there's something beyond what we see on the surface. Well, yeah, they're that, definitely it. <laughs> that <laughs> that you know when we're communicating, all these other things are present with us. Have you ever heard anything about the gene keys? No, what's that? Well, we won't do the gene keys right now. That would be its whole own hour. But um, I feel like. As a, as a creative artist, I am a channel. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like talent, being, quote, talented always terrified me. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was young and people would always say, you're so talented, you're so talented. And I was like, what is that? Like, I'm not doing that. What is that? What if that doesn't <laughs> stay with me? And it, it was a really fearsome place. And I would actually try to be bad. Mm-hmm. You know, see, look, what, 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 will the talent work even if I'm not doing my work Mm -hmm. and it took a long time for me to get comfortable with just that I am talented and Mm -hmm. as we were talking and listening to us thinking that maybe what talent is because of how I experience my creativity is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that you are an open enough vessel that you are allowing whatever is the unifying force that created all of this to Mm -hmm. flow through you. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. that's what talent is, that your vessel Mm -hmm. is open enough in whatever area. It could be cooking, it Mm -hmm. could be science, but you are an open enough vessel that you allow uh, the the power of the universe, the energy of that to flow through you. And Mm -hmm. that's really the only way I can think of as talent, that Mm. you are just, because when I'm I'm creating, I I feel like I'm just, I'm receiving. It's like, it's coming and I got to, you know, be quiet because I got I to take this down. Like, the, 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 I, I'm downloading. Like I'm downloading. Yeah. I'm downloading. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that it, it's I'm just the vessel. It's mm-hmm. coming through me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, I'm thinking, is that what talent is? That mm-hmm. you're open enough to like, allow it to go. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that. I definitely, I sometimes I even think it's ancestors too because I, I, I'll talk to, like, my parents and they'll tell me certain traits of, 
you know, their parents. And sometimes I'm like, I feel like that's who I get it from in a way. And like even some of my interests, you know, I felt very drawn to sewing and soap making lately, which are like super like, you know, old timey hobby, not hobbies, but things that my people had to sew their own clothes. (laughs) And so I I got started sewing and I was like sending videos to my aunts and uncles on both sides of my family. And I knew my grandma was a seamstress, my maternal grandma, but then I sent it to my dad and he's like, Oh, your great grandma was a seamstress and your grandma and your aunt. And so (laughs) sometimes I'm like, wow, maybe you know, we're kind of circling it's back. Through. It's to, coming through you mm-hmm. to keep being passed on. Yeah, yeah. And I remember recently, um, one of my great aunts passed away. She was uh, 93. So your family has longevity. Yes. <laughs> yes, my, my uh, Aunt Lily Pink. And she was a big uh, quilter and soap maker and bootlegger too. And so, <laughs> so the day that I found that she passed, I had already made plans to buy a soap making kit from someone later that week. But then because I was grieving her death, I took the day off from work. And I decided, well, maybe I can go pick up this soap making kit today and just start making it. And I found that these things kind of come to me easily. And I'm like, like you said, like, oh, this is kind of weird. I'm talented or I'm good at something and I don't know what to do with that. Um, Like sometimes I'll show my friends who are more experienced than me and they're like, oh, wow, you did really good. Like this is, this is really hard, but you did a good job. Right. I'm like, oh, wow, thanks. <laughs> right. So, like the knowing is already in you. It's, exactly. It's, you have that in your DNA. It's exactly. passed on down through the line. Exactly. Yep. It's, yeah. It's, I already, yeah, I feel like it's just in my DNA and I'm just... I'm yeah, a vessel like you're just receiving this information somehow and even if you mess up it's still a learning experience at mm-hmm. the end of the day. So Okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I also, also feel that way somewhat about um, psychedelics, too. Because my mom was the first person to talk to me about psychedelics. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I forget about that. So but. how did that happen? So when I was in middle school, um, eighth grade, 14 years old, in history class, we were told we can do a project on anything. Just It has to be history related. So I was like, okay, and this is our final project of the school year before we go to high school. So I'm like, I want to do a project on music of the 60s and 70s. So I was like really into it. And because my mom was born in 1955, I was like, well, let me talk to her for my research purposes. And so learning about the Beatles and, you know, the British invasion and then 
soul, Motown, all that stuff, you naturally hear about psychedelics. And so I asked my mom, like, so were you a hippie back in the day? Were you like a flower child? And she's like, yes, I was. And I I um, remember her eventually telling me that she had done acid and mushrooms back in the 70s in Orlando, where she, she moved out of her small town in Georgia. And in her early 20s, she moved to um, Orlando. And uh, she told me about her acid trip there. And <laughs> she was she was telling me that oh, they would her and her first husband were with another couple and they did acid while they were they were driving. Uh, she also told me one time they she did acid by herself and she r- rode her bike to a park somewhere. And this park in Orlando had like a big, big fountain. And she said the fountain was shooting out colors and she saw this bodybuilder guy like just chilling at the park and she was like so enamored by him that she went up to him and was like, wow, can I touch your arm? Because <laughs> he was just so unreal. But she was, yeah, she was the first person to really tell me about her psychedelic experience, but she didn't really make it seem like it was a big deal. She's just like, oh yeah, it was just something we did back then. And she also told me stories of uh, some of the folks where she lived, how they were doing heroin back then and how, and how she like witnessed the rise of heroin in in the black community. Um, So yeah, she, she was, it's interesting how I circle back to psychedelics, even though she told me about it when I was 14, and I just kind of was like, okay, well. Did you put it in your paper? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, not at all. I didn't even, I couldn't even put two and two together. Like, watching Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds was, like, their trippy moment, you yeah. know? And I actually looked at that video my first time on Mushrooms, and I was like, Oh, this is what this is for. <laughs> oh, see, and I don't have visuals, so that would not that meaning would not have anything for see, me. Okay, this is fascinating. You ha- don't have visuals, like so. What do you feel when you when you embark on a journey? Like, is it all just internal emotional stuff? Yeah, it's mostly internal emotional stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I've never vomited on mushrooms. Wow. I feel nauseous. I get chilly, but I've never vomited. Mm. I vomited on Aya, on mm-hmm. Combo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I feel like I'm doing therapy. Like, yeah. you know, like I said, I do, I've done my self-loathing. I've done my, <laughs> you're an evil, you're, you're the evil entity. I've mm-hmm. done that. Mm-hmm. And then I have, um, I've had like, where I feel like the med- like surgery is being p- mm-hmm, performed on mm-hmm, me, like mm-hmm. daggers. Like uh, in some ceremonies, there's someone playing live music, and every note would wow. feel like a dagger was going into me, and like my body was being cut open. I remember the first time that happened, my intention was I wanted to, because a part of ceremonial using of medicines is that you set an intention mm-hmm. for the journey. Right. So on this particular journey, I set the intention that I wanted to know what was uh, standing in the way of me reaching my fullest potential. Mm. And I remember my whole abdominal area just, I was in pain. Mm. And then every note of the instruments they were playing was just a knife. And I was like, I was experiencing, you know, gang rape. And I was experiencing child sexual slavery. And I was experiencing all the pain and suffering of the world. And it Mm -hmm. was just daggers and daggers and daggers inside of me for that entire journey. So mostly my journeys are incredibly emotional and things like that come up. One journey, which was a very profound one for me, uh, something came to me and said that it was the Archangel Michael. 
Wow. And that um, it said, you know, we're all slave prisoners to the all. Mm. And I, I wasn't speaking, but it was like, huh? <laughs> and it said, well, you know, you, everything you create just creates more of the all. Hmm. And you can't create anything that's outside of the all because all is all. Hmm. And I know when I left that journeying experience, I think prior to doing that, I would have argued down for the existence of free will. Mm. But after that, I just have a, a clarity in knowing that there is no such thing, mm. that uh, this is all predestined. We are mm. all living the lives exactly the way we're going to. And the free will we have is we have the free will to fight it mm-hmm. or to roll with it. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so you can fight your destiny, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or you can go, oh, pain. It hurts, it hurts, it hurts, and I'm going to just feel this hurt and go mm-hmm. as deeply to this hurt till it passes because, like, you were laughing and then you were crying. It passes. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. passes. Mm-hmm. If you just roll with it, it's going to pass. Right, And right. so much of our fear, mm-hmm. we're holding on to it, and that's what the suffering comes from, yep. and that's what the stuckness mm-hmm. comes from. Mm-hmm. But the evolution towards the greater good is going to happen. Yep. No matter how much we're kicking and screaming to get mm-hmm. there, it's going to happen because it's it's destined. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Definitely, I, I, I agree with that so much. You know, I think that, a lot of folks, and this is how our society has conditioned us to be, but to run away from our emotions and to run away from pain and to run away from sadness because there's, again, there's shame and stigma associated with those things. If you are outwardly sad or depressed or whatever in public, folks are, like, uncomfortable with that. Um, so it's really hard for a lot of folks to embrace that and to radically accept whatever has happened to them, both good and bad. And that's something that I had to go through too with mushrooms. It's just like that radical acceptance, just accepting things as they are and just that's it. And mushrooms just kind of help expedite that process. And what you were saying about psychotherapy, I definitely, definitely (laughs) agree with that. Um, Because I was in therapy for a few years before I – did my journey and I felt like it was good in a lot of ways but it wasn't moving fast enough you know like I needed something more rapid or stronger mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know when you're you're at the bar and you want a stiff drink and it's like really watered down you're like no I need something stronger so mm-hmm. that's where psychedelics came in for me and it kind of it's like I see mushrooms as a mirror they kind of It's a reflection. You You see yourself. You see yourself fully, fully, fully to the point where it's almost uncomfortable, but you have to accept. You really have to accept who you are and who you were in the past and understanding that, you know, you might be embarrassed of who you were. You might be, you know, cringing at who you were, things you said or things you did, but you're not tied to that. And you're here right now, so... And there's always a chance to go forward. Mm-hmm. As you were talking, I was thinking about... I watched a Dave Chappelle special this weekend, and I think it was Dave Chappelle who said he was talking about, you know, there's a lot, always been poor people, mm-hmm. and the difference between a poor black person and a poor white person is some poor, some poor white people think they're not supposed to be. <laughs> and I think about that in terms of the opioid crisis, which is really mm-hmm. hitting white people more than it's hitting other people. I mean, it's hitting other people, but mm-hmm. it's in the news because it's hitting so many right. white people. Right. And again, for me, it's that thing of, like, if you think 
what's happening to you in your life is not supposed to be happening to you. Mm. You are resisting your life. Mm -hmm. And this, this desire to get away from the pain of it, which is taking you to this drug to take away the pain. And then, you know, you get some opioids or some oxytocin that's got fentanyl in it and you're dead. I don't even know if most of these people are even trying to kill themselves. Mm -hmm. They just got a bad batch of something because Mm -hmm. they are so, they don't think they're supposed to be in pain and they don't know that sometimes pain is actually the gift. And I was speaking with a Cordondera this morning. He was like, the the only way out is through. Mm -hmm. You got to go through Mm -hmm. the pain. And Mm -hmm. and I don't, Mm -hmm. I I am not an anti-suicide person. I think Mm -hmm. that, if there's any free will that we have, it is autonomy over your body. And if you are in so much pain that this existence is not something you want to do, I respect your right mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. choose something else. Right, right. Um, but I also know that in terms of to evolve spiritually, you've got to go through it. Oh, yes. You have to experience mm-hmm. it. You have to go to the depths of it because it actually doesn't kill you. I always used to say right. the, 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 mo- the most horrible thing about pain is it never, ever kills you. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're right. Like sometimes you wish you're like. You wish you, you would die, yeah. but it doesn't ever kill you. Mm-hmm. But it does pass. Mm-hmm. It does mm-hmm. pass. And it passes faster when you go just wash on over right. me pain. Yep, right. wash on right. over me. Drown me, kill me, take me pain. And mm-hmm. then it just kind of moves. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. it, it moves and it, you, it hurts. <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, I think a lot about, again, like my parents' generation and my grandma and stuff and how they weren't even given that space to process their pain and how they just had to keep it moving and go to work every day and come home and do more work. And they were going through so much. And it, it makes you realize how much of that stuff is passed on to you that you're carrying trauma that may not even be your own experience. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And and so I'm I'm grateful to be able to have the space to process, you know, my pain and and my emotions because I realize that you it's know, a privilege. For, yeah, it's a privilege. And for my parents, they grew up very poor in a rural area. My dad's from rural Jamaica, my mom's from rural Georgia. And they both had, you know, a lot of traumatic experiences as children. But no one ever stopped to say, like, hey, are you okay? Or, like, you know, try to really help them process their pain as children. And so that's something that they had to carry into adulthood. And they didn't even have that space to just to have their feelings heard and, and respected, you know. So I definitely feel super super lucky to be able to undo all this. Unpack all of the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the epigenetic trauma that yes. has been passed down your line. Yes. Now, before we go, I want you to tell us about the conference that uh, you were part of hosting. It was last year, mm-hmm. D.C.? Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell us about that conference. Yes, yes. So with the POC Psychedelic Collective, we had our first conference at the Eaton Hotel. Uh, it's called Empyrean, the P- People of Color Psychedelic Conference. And, excuse me. So it was a really great event. I was really pleased with how everything turned out. Um, we had folks come from far and wide. We had Kalindi came from Detroit. We had folks come from California, Arizona. Someone took a bus from North Carolina, and they were only there for a day. Um, so it was really humbling to see. How many days was it? It was, it was a two-day event, and so we covered everything from drug policy, harm reduction, herbalism, um, sustainability. Uh, we even had a film screening from a black filmmaker. His name's uh, the Source Academy kid, and he did a, a film screening of his film, The American Psychonaut. 
um, that kind of shows him and his brother and their psychedelic experiences. So it was a really, really great event. And I definitely feel the hunger for more events like that because especially in the U.S., we're a heavily policed society. And black folks especially, especially we don't have a lot of space, just physical space to gather. I feel like if if 10 black men were to gather on a corner somewhere in Manhattan, the cops would be called immediately. And so there's this monopoly over public space and who gets to gather where and who has that privilege of just existing in the world. So it's really important for me to hold space for people in whatever way I can for us to just gather and talk and build community and get to know each other. Um, because that's something that we don't, we don't really have. And the folks who do have that space and that privilege sometimes forget about the people below them. And inviting, and, and inviting them in and mm-hmm. inviting them to share that space. And even recognizing that by virtue of our melanin, there's some knowledge that we could actually bring to the oh, table yeah. that would help them in their journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Katayo, it has been a pleasure. Is there Thank anything you. that I didn't ask you about that you would want to say about drug policy, um, entheogens before we go? Hmm. Well, I guess there's one thing that I saw recently the day I actually got an email from my mom the day of the conference from this um this West African healer, her, his name is Maladoma Somme. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my mom, she has a couple of his books and even met him in person. But she sent me this really, his newsletter, and I saw a really cool, cool quote. He said something along the lines of, you know, if we have ancestral trauma, we also have ancestral wisdom. Mm. And so that's something that's really comforting for me to hear because – you know, there's so much focus on the hurt and the pain, which is important, but we also have to remember that we can also heal ourselves and everything that we need is exists within ourselves. So I'll just leave with that. So thank you for having me. Thank you, Ifatayo. And you are listening to Tanya Pinkins, You Can't Say That, on the Broadway Podcast. Thank you for joining me and Ifatayo Harvey from the Drug Policy Alliance and People of Color Psychedelic Collective. Um, and do come back for more conversations about indigens and psychedelics with other guests who I have coming. This is Tanya Pinkins. You can't say that. The show where you can on the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.